0: Joint scouting ends Wednesday from noon to 3, Ken Garf, West Valley, 4175 West, 3500 South. Time to bring in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, the former BYU coach, who is in the Marriott Center for the win Saturday. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, did you storm the floor?
1: <laughs> but uh it did delay getting home a little bit just trying to get out of my seat so but uh no it was it was it was just absolutely crazy never seen anything quite like it
0: does that make all the hard work and all the stress worth it or you're still glad you're retired
1: <laughs> no you know what uh i remember that place being full. In fact, there was probably a few more people. When they remodeled, they took some of the seats out. And I remember what it sounded like when there was 21,000 people there. It was crazy. But uh, the orchestrated rock and the student section now is pretty amazing, and obviously all the upgrades to the facility. But it is a special place. I have really special memories of winning big games there and uh, what that feels like. But this had a special feel to it when you're playing the number two team in the country, and obviously Gonzaga has dominated the WCC for years. Uh, so to get that win uh was something pretty special and as you guys know i mean just we every bit of every team and player and coach with social media you know and all all of social media we we kind of have an inside look at guys and coaches and what's going on so that just uh increased the exposure to the game so it, it was a pretty special environment and there's no question about it and uh Very, very good game. BYU obviously played really well.
2: I don't know if redemption is the right word for T.J. Hawes, but obviously you know about the expectations, and they were so bloated to the point of probably being unfair by everybody, not just the the media but fans and even the internal media that BYU has. They were running their mouths about it, and we are all expecting big things. And so it hasn't really happened But with that in mind, he's just playing so well this year. How sweet is it for this kid to be able to grind through it all, be the last of the Lone Peak guys still standing, and then playing at such a high level that you're a critical factor in getting this team these wins and getting them into the NCAA tournament?
1: You know, I went to the shoot-around against uh, Santa Clara, and I had a chance to just spend a couple of minutes with TJ Hughes he was shooting free throws, and I, I just went up to him and kind of shared what you just shared. I said, you know what, man, I have so much respect for you. And to see him playing this way, and I mean, I, honestly, I could not be happier for anybody on that team more than I am for, for TJ. And, and certainly it came with lots of expectations and unrealistic expectations. I think remember when we talked about this earlier, they were flying the of Four flag their freshman years <laughs> as if that was going to happen. And uh, it's just, you know, I think there's a couple of things. One, you just go through the grind of it all your senior year. I think that he is playing so much more relaxed within himself. I think Jake Toulson being there and kind of being that alpha and being the the leader of that team uh, allowed TJ just to constant. Not that TJ is not a great leader, a great example, and an unbelievable human being. He is. He's all of those things. But I think Jake came in and took some responsibility to leadership that TJ didn't have to kind of carry on his shoulders by himself. He's still a significant leader on that team. But I think Toulson comes in and uh, he, he kind of just establishes himself. And for somebody that's a transfer, that's not very common. But that's just his personality type. And what's happened, I think, is that it's made TJ in, in Yoli. They've just gotten really comfortable in who they are and how they play and They've just made big plays, game in and game out. So uh, I'm happy for TJ. I also believe that the leadership of the team is better, and I think Jake Toulson provided something there that had a real calming effect. And it's not easy for a transfer to come in and immediately have an impact. I mean, you can say, well, you know, he's, he's putting the numbers up, but it's more than that. And, and consequently, the, uh, the culture of, of, of that team and the chemistry of that team when Jake got into the program. And I think he had a real positive impact on TJ. And, of course, TJ is is someone that will always be beloved at BYU because of what he's kind of endured and how he's finishing.
0: So BYU's got the three wins up at Gonzaga. they got a couple of them at the Marriott Center, if I remember correctly. Can they get one in Las Vegas? Because Gonzaga doesn't lose very often in that tournament.
1: Well, uh, they don't. And I I think right now it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out because St. Mary's and Pacific are tied, or excuse me, Pacific's one game behind St. Mary's, but Pacific plays at L.M.U. and I mean they've they've got two winnable games. San Diego. And St. Mary's has got to play Gonzaga still, and uh, and and that's not going to be easy. And they got to go to Santa Clara, who's pretty solid. So it's conceivable that BYU doesn't even play St. Mary's in the semis. And might play Pacific instead, and I think that'd be a better matchup for BYU. So uh, both both teams are obviously very good defensively, but uh, I, I, I you know what it's not like it can't happen. But yeah, I think the Zags will still be the favorite. Uh, they, they certainly did not shoot the three ball. They shot 20% in that building, five for 25, and, and struggled. BYU had a lot to do with that. BYU made big baskets at home, had a huge crowd. Uh, You know the Zags got a little disjointed, and and, and BYU outplayed them. I mean, they just played harder and competed harder. They were tougher in the game, and uh, do that on a neutral court. It's not like BYU is going to go into that game if they play them in the finals and not have confidence they can win. But uh, I think the Zags will kind of have a chip on their shoulder as well, and uh, you know it it would be really something for BYU to go in there and win that tournament. It's been a long time, so that that would be wonderful. But I, uh, there there's still some games to be played, and they can't get stuck on Pepperdine. Pepperdine's the one team in this conference who's played Gonzaga pretty tough at their plays, and uh, so they're capable of BYU, which I cannot imagine with their coaching staff and the leadership in that team not being ready at Pepperdine, but that is, that's a game like the Santa Clara game where you've got to be really careful. You don't want to go into that tournament after a loss. Uh, they want to keep that momentum going.
2: So being a college coach, as you know full well, is such an interesting job because you've got administration, you've got boosters, you've got casual fans, you have to deal with parents of the players, and then you got to deal with the players in that so many of these kids were stars coming out of high school, right? And that's just the way it is. And then you move up to this level and not everybody's a star. And you find out that your role, that what you thought and what it actually is, a lot of times doesn't really jive. And then you introduce the parents again. You got to do all this stuff. And then you see guys that, well, by their sophomore year, wait a second, I'm not doing what I thought. So they leave and that hurts your program, maybe it benefits your program because it benefits it with the Barcelo kid that he didn't have the role that he thought, and I'm sure his dad was involved, so they leave Arizona, come here. My thought for you is what I think that is so crucial for a college coach is to get these guys To understand their roles, Majerus was a genius at it, and I think that one of the things that Pope has done is been able to get guys to understand. You take a kid like Celius, and I spoke to him last week, and I asked him about it, and he said, "No, I thought I was going to have a bigger role. I thought I was going to be all that coming out of high school. Well, now he's not, but he's a senior, so he stuck through it. And then when they get to be seniors, they probably accepted their role. And you look at a kid like Celius who comes in and he's playing like the Incredible Hulk last. Week against Gonzaga, and so my thought for you is how difficult is it to, for coaches to get these kids to accept this is where you are in the food chain, and if you do this, our team can be really good? Because it seems like Pope has done an excellent job of that.
1: He has, and I think too, when you're a senior and you've had different experiences, that by the time you get to that point. And having a change in a coaching staff is always gonna be different and also very positive in certain ways. I mean, Dave was amazing there. And, but, but at the end of the day, you get a brand new, young, energetic coaching staff that gets guys to buy into what they're capable of doing. And you, you do communicate that. And, and initially, it may not be what somebody wants to hear, but I think when a, when, when a group of guys haven't quite met expectations, that they, they're they're more prone to listen and, 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 and listen, you know, with the idea that, okay, I, I want to help this team. I, I, we do want to get to the tournament. And and I remember being, I remember myself and Dave and, and Nate Call and uh, yeah, Heath Schroyer, you know, having a really young staff, energetic staff going into a circumstance that was n- nothing like what Mark's gone into, obviously, because this is a really, really good basketball team and there was talent there but at the end of the day there is enthusiasm there is energy and that's contagious and i remember that where it's everything is positive we're going to get through this we can do this that mentality that mindset the, you know that that makes a difference and that's one of the things that marks really good at he's a really positive upbeat guy and he's had a ton of experience and his staff is that way too and so i don't think it was that difficult for them, it, based upon the circumstances and in the you know, environment that they went into, to say, hey, Zach, listen, this is what we need from you. We need 18 to 20 minutes. You're going to play some three. You're going to play some four. You're going to be garden guys. And, and they, they, I think they accepted and embraced those roles from the very beginning. And the other thing that kind of lent itself to this chemistry is Yoli didn't play the first nine games. And, and so guys had a chance. And Dalton Nixon. I mean, here again, a guy that had been on the peripheral, you know, kind of a seventh, eighth, ninth guy. And all of a sudden, he's playing significant minutes. Zach is playing significant minutes. And they get confident. You know, guys come back, and they're all on the same page. And so it was uh, probably made a little easier due to the circumstances and environment, what had happened before. But the guys did embrace it, and you give the coaching staff all the credit in the world for letting them know what they were about and what their vision was and what they felt could happen. And uh, certainly Jake and Barcello and Yoli, I mean, Mark's not there. Probably these three guys aren't in that program, and we haven't experienced what this team's experienced. So it's the right guy in the right place at the right time uh, that laid out a vision and a plan guys were more than willing to accept it based upon the past and that they hadn't met expectations, all that self-lent itself to a really, really good basketball team.
0: So you know a little bit about this because you had a good run at BYU and there was a school out there that uh, had problems and was looking for solutions and thought, well, Steve Cleveland built BYU up from nothing. How hot is Mark Pope right now when you look at how many college basketball programs Have problems, and everybody inside the industry is paying attention and looking at what he's accomplished in year one at BYU.
1: No, I mean, listen, he's got a pedigree to start with. I mean, as a player uh, in college, in the NBA, uh, he's got contacts all across the country. He, uh, you know, he went to BYU as an assistant coach and, and did a wonderful job there. He goes to UVU and builds that. Uh, he, he was kind of a, you know, he, like, that's who I expected, you know, BYU to hire. He, he was just a really good fit. Uh, and so, yeah, he, he is going to be someone that uh, people are going to show interest in. He gets to the tournament, wins a couple games. and uh, But in my conversations with Mark, I think that's the last thing on his mind. I, I, I think they feel they're going to be really, really good next year. And uh, with, with a lot of people that maybe people don't know, but they've got size coming back. They've, they're involved with certain players. You got guys sitting out. So uh, I think that's the last thing on Mark folks' mind. But absolutely, that's the environment of college basketball. The guys, hot mid-major, and I, you know, I, BYU in, in the sense of being a mid-major, it, it's it is that in terms of the basketball piece. But in terms of everything else from practice facility, you know, 8,000 students coming to games, I mean, charters. I mean, they they got everything that every P5 school has, okay, in terms of support, in terms of uh, the financial backing. uh, the, The one thing about BYU for football and basketball, they've done everything they can. I think the athletic administration, the president, and everybody that's on the board has done everything they can to give this group uh, of, of football players and basketball players an opportunity to succeed. And in basketball, you don't need, you know, 20 or 30 guys. You can get it done with two or three or four guys and really have an impact. But I would think that's the last thing on Mark Pope's mind, and I see him actually kind of staying here for a long time. I know things can change, but right now he, uh, he, he's just a natural good fit, and I think his family feels really comfortable here. Things can change down the road. Don't, don't get me wrong. But uh, I think he's got a lot to do here, and he's still got a lot of season this year. This thing's not over yet. They have a chance to do something really special in the tournament.
2: So wait a second. You're saying the big fancy practice facility with those coaches' offices that are the size of a small home versus to what you had and your assistants over there in the Marriott Center the size of bathrooms. (laughs) You're telling me it's (laughs) a lot better now?
1: Oh my goodness! Hey, listen. What some, most people don't know is I shared my office with Brian Santiago, who was my administrative assistant for I four knew years. that. You knew that. You knew that. And it was a nice office. Hey, it was way better than the office I had at Fresno City College, which was about eight by eight. So hey, I, I was I was thrilled. I was thrilled to have that office with a trophy case that had championship trophies in it. And no, no, I mean I I, I was so jacked and excited to be there and to be a part of it and. But I, I do remember what that felt like. And when I was, I was sitting there just watching the coaches, and I thought, man, I, that just took me back to 1997. And, and again, where we were and where they were were <clears throat> two different worlds. But we were all junior college coaches, first of all, which is unheard of. That will never happen <clears throat> again. But we were hungry. And it, it took a while, but we were hungry, and the players were hungry, and everybody was on the same page. There was a vision, and there was an energy, and, and that's kind of what Mark has right now, just with better players and a lot better facility. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, I, mean, I, I get where they're at. I, I, I just felt that. It was really a cool experience for me to go to that, to that uh, shoot-around because it's just, you know, I've been out of the game for seven, eight years. You know, you, you know, you forget, you know you, you've been away from it, but I love going to practices. I love going to shoot-arounds and the attention to detail and just watching Mark's staff, he's got a great staff. And he won't have them forever. But right now, he's got the perfect staff in the perfect place for those guys and people that they're, that they're coaching. So um, it all works. But, yeah, my experience was a little bit different. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all that good feel, all those good vibes. But we would be remiss if we did not ask you about the Jazz, who won 19 out of 21 – But then lost five in a row. But then won four in a row. But then laid an egg against San Antonio and lost back-to-back against Houston. So how much of this is just it's a long season and they've messed up games and it happens and they got to dig their way out of it? And how much of this is that a brand-new team, but you put 20, 30, 40, 50 games on tape? Is the league starting to figure them out and catch up to them? Because that thought, I think, scares Jazz fans for what would happen going forward, if that's true.
1: Well, all of those things are uh, the ingredients to what's happened. I mean, I I think conference play, I'm only just in college where we play, you know, a third of the games that the NBA plays uh, in a regular season. But I'll tell you what, at this time of the year, uh, they are just grinding type games. And depending on your health, depending on, you know, where you're playing and who you're playing, uh, it's really hard to win games. I mean, it's really, really hard. If you you look at it and say, okay, Memphis is playing Utah or it's New Orleans versus the Lakers, these games end up being close. And, and the reason they end up being close is that everybody's got film. Guys do get tired. There are injuries. There's just so many variables that impact winning and losing at this time of the year that it, it, just, it just is what it is. And I, I mean, you look right now, you're right. I mean, defensively at times, that's got to be the constant for you. And, uh, it, you know, in San Antonio, they give up 50% from the three-point line. Houston shoots 48% from the field, 41% from the three-point line. You've you got to really defend at home. I mean, that's, that's something you can't take. I mean, you, you think, oh, yeah, you've got to go on the road, and that's how you went on the road. But you, that's how you put people away. But I, it is part of the NBA grind. And you, you look at it, the next four or five games they have – uh, you, you look at it; they got the Suns, they got the Cavs, the Knicks, the Celtics, Pistons. Only one of those teams is above 500. But I, I, I can't imagine them losing losing to the Suns at home. But you know what? And, I, and, and the Cavs, you got to figure they're down, depleted. The, they are playing a little bit better. Uh, the Knicks are playing a little bit better. The Celtics are going to be always be good at home because they're playing for something. They want as high a seed as they can get. And then you got the Pistons. But on paper, you think okay, they're four and one, but you know what, uh, this time of the year, there's no pressure on the Cavs. There's no pressure on the Knicks. There's no pressure on the Pistons. They're loose. They're confident in, in themselves. And uh, so you've got to go into those places. Four games in a row on the road where games you should, three of them you should probably win on paper. Uh, but at this time of the year, it's going to still take a special, special effort. And guys are going to have to step up. And, uh, and you can't have guys, you know, just kind of go away and not score and do what they normally do. And that's kind of what happened, you know, w- w- with uh, the, the, the losses to San Antonio and the Rockets. And the Rockets, you know, they just beat the Rockets, what, a, a few weeks earlier than that. And, uh, but they're a little bit different team with the makeup of their, uh, their personnel. So, yeah, it's hard to win games this time of the year. And, uh, and I, I think the Jazz have a chance to be 40-21 and 21 come, you know, first week in March. And if they are, they're going to probably still be in that fourth or fifth position, maybe the third. You never know what might happen. Anyway, you think the, the Jazz fans, take a look at the Clippers. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, obviously they got injuries and they're dealing with a lot of different stuff, but this is a team that everybody believes that if everybody's healthy and they're struggling. So if what presumably is expected to be the best team in the NBA, maybe Milwaukee and the Clippers in terms of being in the finals, uh, they're dealing with the same thing that the Jazz are. So... Uh, fans need to just kind of chill. And uh, I, I think Utah will get back up on this thing and get it going. But they do need everybody playing well. They, they, they still – I know they got two all-stars and, and Gobert has been incredible and Mitchell's been incredible and Clarkson's been incredible. But uh, I still believe this is a team that is a system team and the sum of their parts is what makes them special defensively, offensively. And when they get away from that and try to do it individually – uh, they're not as good.
0: Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. You bet, guys. Take care. Buying or selling a home? Homie will give you up to $5,000 back to help you with closing costs and fees. Remember, it's simple to get started with Homie. See more at homey.com. Hey. Everything you missed in this show coming up next.
2: And I'll tell you where Utah is going to play in their bowl game. We've got predictions. Sweet! (laughs) That (laughs) is as timely as... Wait a minute! (laughs) I am full on basketball mode. (laughs) No, we got full predictions for the (laughs) Pac-12. Is that crazy or what? Yes! Uh, It's it's crazy to the point of funny.
0: We'll get to that next. DJ and PK, stay with us. Big 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 Show with Gordon Monson
1: and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready?
2: Howard Beck of Bleacher
0: Report. I think it's very rare post-All-Star break to have a team become something wholly different. Their personalities are pretty well set. Rotations are pretty well set. The things that change are injuries that screw you up in the first half of the season and you get healthy and maybe you get on a run or if you made a major change to the deadline. And we didn't really have a lot of that. The pecking order is pretty well set in both conferences. We've got a pretty good handle on who's truly in this. I don't expect that any team is going to radically reinvent themselves. We kind of know which tiers everybody is in at this point. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Afternoons from 3 to 7. On 97.5,
2: 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK,
0: it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Taylor Swift, calm down. PK, we are getting people saying jazz fans need to calm down. That's Jill, the former Channel 2 intern and uh, regular listener to the show. Why? Though? Says T Swift, they're too wound up about the Jazz losses. This is the roller coaster that is the NBA season. Yeah, but this is later in the season. That's true. And hopes have gotten high.
2: Right now, it doesn't look like. It they're... doesn't look like they're going to win a playoff series, yeah. let alone two. Right. I know. So, but I think Jill's point is:
0: what will it look I'll like ten games from now? Panic. Nobody has any idea, so she'll keep watching the games, and maybe it'll just be a yeah, disaster. But right now, it doesn't look good. I know. I'm
2: with you. So, if you're going to panic, now's the time.
0: <laughs> well, now would be a good time to panic. But she suggested she uh, she uh, suggested a little Taylor Swift. Calm down, jazz fans. Big picture.
2: Uh, I agree with that uh, to in a degree. Theory. but <laughs> In theory, you agree with it. But in the middle of it. I suppose they lose to
0: Phoenix. Oh, that's a whole new level of bad. Yeah. San Antonio's better than I mean, Sun, if they right? lose to
2: Phoenix, I don't even know if I have a job tomorrow.
0: <laughs> Actually, the Suns and Spurs have <laughs> basically the same record.
2: Yeah, but still, somehow the Suns seem way worse. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's
0: because of the last 10 years, the Suns yeah. have sucked. And the last 25 years, right. the Spurs have been in the playoffs. Right.
2: I don't know what the streak is.
0: What's the streak, Yach? Is it 22, 23? I don't know what it is. It's, it's up it's there, awesome. it's out there. Yeah, and it's almost gone. They're four games out of a playoff berth don't now. Don't think you're going to get it this year Yeah. No, no, this is probably where it ends. All right, well, Jazz and Suns tonight. We have heard from a lot of Jazz fans today with a lot of theories and the most distressing one is that the Jazz had a lot of new personnel. They figured out a lot of stuff, but now the league has figured them out. And if that's true, that's a problem, unless there's another tweak for Quinn Snyder and his staff to make. But I don't, I don't think this is an X's and O's strategy talent thing. They look really good one quarter and really bad the next. That just screams that it's mental or it's chemistry or it's but it's a talent X's and O's.
2: Yeah, I think it's maybe uh, the Spurs thing was taken a little bit for granted. I think he got beat against Houston. Spurs you looked awful. I, I think it was maybe just a little bit more casual than it needs to be.
0: I guess the thing that bugs me about that is that happens, but if you're a really good team, you got somebody who just kind of takes the
2: team okay, by the neck and point. the game by who the has, neck and shakes you guy? out of it. 23-year-old Mitchell? no. <laughs> And, well, and foreign guys don't typically do that.
0: It, I think the biggest—boy, uh, I could probably throw this out the lock. You'd probably go nuts on me. Eh, maybe you'd agree. I don't know. I think the biggest thing with Mitchell this year is he seems a little more focused and aware of, it's the fourth quarter, I need to take over. Um He's had better fourth quarters against Houston. He did, scored a bunch of hoops and was clearly trying to take over and will them back into the game. And that's not something we saw from him. Certainly his rookie year, but I don't even really. Yeah, but think don't saw wait that much the fourth quarter, year. man. And that's the next thing is when do you get to the point where instead of okay, I have to take over in the fourth quarter, like okay, I'm playing the game, but I'm also watching it. And when do I need to exert myself? Because ah, oh, it's getting away from us here in the third quarter. And maybe he only learns that by going through this. You know, and that, and it's a little tougher because I think the way the rotations are working out. I have to check the playing time, but I think he sat a big chunk of the third quarter, so it's hard to take over the game when you're on the bench because you play all twelve minutes in the fourth and you got to sit sometime.
2: Yeah, man, I want to see him take over the team. If you want to be a legacy player, you got to be able to do that. Then you you can't be worrying about feelings either. You have to be worrying about winning. Set the example. Now I realize he's twenty three, so he's sort of in a tender situation there. In a tender tough age to start bracket. ordering
0: around. Uh, yeah, all the rotation guys who are older than you and yeah. thirty and accomplished.
2: Right. So I want to see some more attitude. That this sucks, and we got to get going. Kawhi Leonard said it yesterday after the Kings' loss. The time is now. We got to get going. Times now, man. I mean, the, the postseason's right around the corner.
0: And as you pointed out early, uh, how many words has he uttered this year? 17. <laughs> so this is big. Yeah. His words carry more weight because he's not out there blathering on about nothing four times a week.
2: No. It's not his style. No. LeBron wants to tell us his opinion on the baseball. Fine. That's his style. I'm okay with it. But it's
0: not Kawhi's style. No. So when Kawhi weighs in like this, it yeah. means something. It means he's not happy the way it's going. He didn't like the loss to the Kings. And he knows they got to be better if they're going to win a championship. And he didn't move to L.A. to be close to a championship and play second fiddle to LeBron. He
2: moved to the Clippers to try and win it all. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they do in today's uh, shoot-around practice because they send two guys, and in my mind today there's no connection to Phoenix so it's not oh you're playing Indiana for the first time so you put Bogdanovich up there so it ought to be Gobert and Mitchell you're the two leaders you're the two all-stars I want to hear from you today well, they didn't
0: practice yesterday, and they didn't shoot around the day before, because a lot of times they rotate through, and you know, well, it'll be these two guys because it Not was two now. yesterday, no. or two yesterday no. and there was nobody yesterday, and there was nobody the day before that, no. so it could be those two. Well, it
2: has to be. You're the two leaders of the team.
0: Or it'll be Conley.
2: Not really. Yeah.
0: All three of them talked after the, uh, after the loss to Houston. All right, so we've talked to Jazz this morning. We've also talked to BYU. The Cougars, what a win. Kim Pomeroy came on and said, uh, consensus six seed now. He said there are people I'm at five or seven, but BYU pretty much a six seed, basically up a line after that win over Gonzaga.
2: Yeah, they'll move up to five when they get another win over Gonzaga here. There Mm -hmm. it is, Vegas, baby. Two weeks from tomorrow, I'll be there. That would be huge. Oh, and I'll I'll only be there, I'll storm the court. (laughs) (laughs) No, you won't. (laughs) I'll put I'll pick up Pope, put him on my shoulders. And you won't do that either. You know he's on the get a hernia. He's on the he's on the
0: sideline next to big basketball players, so I don't know that people get how big he is. And I don't think you're picking up me or Yak. but you're definitely not picking up Pope. He's a pretty big dude.
2: Okay, I'll go He was in the NBA. He's I'll a big I'll go dude. for uh Fuger. <laughs> <laughs> he's smaller. <laughs> compared to Burgess and, and uh Pope and Robinson's <laughs> yes. pretty big too. Yes. <laughs> certainly not you not you no. Why well, going to have to be you yeah that's about my best shot a
0: spectacular win for the Cougars a full week now to savor it and then Pepperdine on the road
2: which they'd better not mess up well that's good that they've got time off extended time off yes because they're going to have now after expending all that emotion they're going to have one game in two weeks yeah that's how it's going to work then you wait another
0: week, and you get to buy through the early because that's a Friday Saturday tournament, and you'll get buys yeah. through that portion. The opening rounds two, round two the weeks quarters. from tonight. Yep, two weeks tonight of the semis, and that's where they ought to be. It's where I'll be, God willing. <laughs> Knock on wood. <laughs> Uh, other stuff we have talked about that you have missed today. We talked about Carl Durrell to uh, Colorado as the new football coach. He was UCLA's coach for five years. Ute and Cougar fans may remember he brought his Bruins up here in consecutive years and got smoked by the Utes and the Cougars.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, But he had a 10-win team at UCLA, too. And he had a bunch of six-win teams, which right now, that looks awfully good to Colorado. He had four. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. A bunch of four in foreign leagues. Yeah. And that looks really good to Colorado right now.
2: Well, he was 39 when he got the gig. He's 56 now.
0: He's been all but one year. He was at UCLA 2003 to 7. And since then, they let him go. And he's spent every year in the NFL except one, mostly with the Dolphins, but he's with the Texans and Jets. Uh, not an NFL coordinator, position coach. But your guy, does he just copy the model? Bring in your NFL buddies, recruit kids, and tell them we can get you the NFL. That'll up the talent level of the
2: Colorado program. If you can do it and it works, yeah, I don't, I don't care how you do it. Just pitch, get, increase the talent level. He's
0: a little bit of a Ronnie Mack story in that he's been an assistant at Colorado, so he's got some, uh, he's got some ties there. He does. He was there in the '90s a couple of times, six years all told. Yeah, he was there two as a position coach, and then came back for four as a coordinator. Well, he's been out grinding like
2: Ronnie Mac did yeah
0: now he gets his shot in the 50s which is good he could have a decade long run and retire on top and be the mayor of Boulder if it all goes well
2: yeah I'm neutral because you never know what a coach is going to do we lambast some we praise others we don't know Just, I don't think uh, you know New England was going ape you know what uh, to get Belichick after he'd been fired from Cleveland, they had well, they, obviously they wanted him. That's why they hired him. I guess I think the Jets wanted him too at the time. Yeah, there was a and, bunch of drama over there. And that. he turns into this just unbelievable coach that's still going strong. Still, I mean, what a phenomenal run! Every franchise in any sport would take what the Patriots have had.
0: All right, I want some more college basketball news. Tell me about these Pac 12 bowls. What is going on? What is this?
2: So, 24 7 has their college football spring 2020 bowl predictions. All right. <laughs> Recruiting is done. Spring
0: football is just getting going, depending on where you are. The
2: issue starts uh, right now as we speak. Yep. They just started this morning. Uh, Sports Pac 12 tweeted this out. They've got no team in the, now the playoffs, I think, are Rose and Sugar. And then Miami's the final, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a very good chance if the Pac-12 doesn't get a team in the playoffs, they're not going to have anybody in the Rose Bowl, right? you got to be in the playoff to be in the Rose Bowl. Correct. So they don't have anybody in the Rose Bowl.
0: Who they got in the Fiesta then? Seems like the logical fallback. Oregon versus LSU. In the Fiesta? Correct. Well, that would be a big game. So Oregon will win the conference. not yes. a, Not a big reach there. Okay. And then the Alamo... They've got well. I'll go. They got USC in the Alamo. No, I'm guessing. No,
2: no, really? No. You see, you're way off on this. You've been Utah in the Alamo again. They got them winning the South, right? That's winning the South. Right. So they got them playing Iowa State in
0: the Alamo. I'm surprised they got uh, Utah in the Alamo. Usually, Bulls don't want the same same school two years in a row. Well, this time Utah will bring its team. But a bing. <laughs> Does Vegas get the next pick then? Vegas gets the third pick. And the new pecking order is that this
2: year, or I think that kicks in well, between them and the holiday. I don't know. Okay, but Vegas they've got SC versus A M. Mm-hmm. That'd be in the new stadium, right? Right. Right. Yeah. That thing opens this summer. I think Cal is playing uh, first. one. Cal U and Ov. I
0: thought the pecking order was Rose. Well, this year Fiesta. Uh, we gotcha. Alamo Vegas under the thinking that the runner-up they don't want to send him back to Vegas after the conference title game in Vegas
2: Mm -hmm. and then the holiday interesting
0: here Washington ASU Virginia Tech ah ASU okay
2: so they would be third in the division Mm -hmm. and then the new Los Angeles Bowl has which will be in the new stadium Mm -hmm. because that opens right Mm mm-hmm will be Washington versus Air Force.
0: So the best destination, where do you fans want to go now? I mean, you want to go Rose. I get well, it. You'd want to go Fiesta. Okay. You don't win the conference. Where do you want to go? What are the best bold destinations? Is well, LA? It doesn't matter. I mean, LA, you're signed. San Diego, Vegas, and But where do you want to go?
2: Well, Vegas you, now that's an upgrade. I think you upgrade, want to go to the highest level you can go. So it would be Alamo. Hard to get to, though. Expensive, yeah, but that and means you your team the has the three. best season. Yeah, you're not going to set a wall. I'll go to Vegas. Yeah, but you don't but have to pick down. them down. But they don't pick
0: them exactly in order. You know, they got the wiggle room. They do. They do bigger, but, you know, bigger brand names. That, that and you know, USC for TV ratings.
2: I understand. In know, but right now you want the highest, whatever the yep. highest is. I get when we get down to it, you can negotiate a change or two. I understand how that works. So, uh, who would they send to the sun? They don't list it. Oh, okay. All
0: right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 12.80 The Zone. That's a lot of the stuff we've been talking about during this show, and then the bowl stuff was brand new, which... Uh, it's kind of silly. Clip and save that But right it's now. fun. Yeah. All right, DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Your feedback is next.
1: And that's all over almost here. Don't go
0: nowhere. <laughs> It was the weekend of upsets and hidden identities. You got top four in college basketball changing it up and the jazz not doing so well and people hiding it, they're rodeo cowboys. Ah, Madison Bumgarner, rodeo cowboy, Mason Saunders. All right, DJPK, it's time for your feedback, and it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City, where you can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only three fifty nine dollars per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. The Jazz are dropping. BYU is rising. What is going on? How do you explain this? That's the question of the day, and it has led to a lot of feedback. Mike says it's just Utah teams being Utah teams. They're up. They're down. Steven says you must be living right on and off the basketball court.
2: Yes, that quote will live on forever, and thanks to me for getting it.
0: (laughs) You're the man. In my opinion, Hitman4848 says, the Jazz are slightly underperforming. Since I thought Conley would play way better, I thought the Jazz would be a surefire top three team in the West. I can live with that. Surefire? Come on, with Kawhi and with AD joining LeBron and LeBron healthy, didn't you think top three, that was best case scenario if you get to third in the West? Maybe you thought they'd get to
2: second. Okay, but who did I think was going to be better? I'll grant you the other two. but Well, who,
0: Denver had been better. Had they passed Denver, Houston? Did, is that
2: a surefire thing, that Denver was going to be better? No.
0: No, that's why I thought it was a battle to get into the top
2: three. Maybe surefire is not the right phrase, but a certainly an extremely realistic possibility. Well, we th- certainly we
0: thought slash hoped that they were upgrading from five. And it doesn't look so today. Today.
2: Now, I'll check back in a week, because this team has been sort of a roller coaster here <laughs> since going uh, 18 of 21. Joshua
0: says maybe legendary coach Mike D'Antoni created a game plan at halftime to kill the Jazz. As far as explaining the Spurs game, it's those bleepin' gold jerseys.
2: Period. Yeah, I don't buy that crap. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't pay attention. I saw it was out there, but I'm not a uniformed guy. Uh, I And I don't know that I would list Mike as legendary coach. Mm-hmm, right. He's been fine. And I'd actually, you know, for his sake, I'd like to see them win it. And maybe to actually see Westbrook smile once.
0: He and Joe trash-talking. That cracked Harper up When Westbrook picked off that pass to open the third quarter, first minute of the third quarter, he goes down and gets a dunk, and he turns around and comes back, and Harper He he
2: said, nice pass, Joe. (laughs) Well, you got to expect that if you're going to give that, you know. Oh, yeah. That's
0: funny. Yeah. I mean, the turnover in the bucket isn't, but – Pretty funny thing to say, going back down the court. Yeah, I got it. Uh, Eric says uh, I can explain by BYU. They got a mostly senior roster. Their top three scores, arguably five of their top seven players are seniors. History shows us teams with a lot of senior leaders tend to be highly successful in college sports.
2: I think that's true. I think that's cool. been a significant portion of the reason why they've been successful is because they do have seniors.
0: All right, we'll give Eric the final take. Good work, Eric. Tony and Austin are coming up next. We will see you tomorrow.